And now for something completely different. Four, three, two, one. Hi. Welcome to the future. Remember, no guts, no galaxy. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast number 165. We are your host, Darren and Phil, and today is Thursday, August 2nd, 2018. And I just want to say hello, Darren. How are you doing? Good, good. I am uh, looking forward to today's podcast, which we are going to jump right into. It is uh, definitely good to be back and doing another podcast. Today, our guests are Paul Inouye, lead designer for MechWarrior Online, and Chris Lowry, designer for MechWarrior Online. How are you guys doing today? Chris, you first. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Uh, good. It is uh, early afternoon, beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest, and we are here to talk mechs, specifically balance. Now, um, Paul, you want to say hi? Hello. And, and that's and... the last you're going to hear from Paul. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's actually cloudy here in Vancouver, so the temperature has dropped about 10 degrees, so we can actually sleep at night now. You just we just had a heat wave. Now the oh, thing, like you don't, you stop. Now, no, stop. You listen. No, the thing you... about the heat wave in the Northwest <sighs> is that nobody up here has air conditioners, right, Paul? That's why it was tough exactly. Yeah. Oh, We're used I can to just cold hear weather. it now. Woe is me. It's seventy degrees. It's so hot. Oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. It got into the upper nineties. Oh, I mean, God. upper eighties, right, Paul? You guys, you're look at you, Darren. Look how thirty-three you degrees. <laughs> Not I love long it. ago, I love it be, up here crying about the you know um, california is burning up right now and i well, have nothing yeah. to do with it that's why i told you to leave this is why we rely on heat for balance <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> let's move on <laughs> <laughs> jumping right into it paul yeah so we, obviously we got a lot to talk about um we've got balance we've got pts and stuff like that and um i you know i'm looking forward to it we've been doing a lot of uh, talking on streams uh literally uh, by the way chris i shared a little tidbit uh, about uh uh, how much we drive Darren nuts, how much we talk behind the scenes. <laughs> like, people don't realize, like, me and Chris will be on TeamSpeak talking. Darren will come in and be like, are you guys really? When, like, when I'm having trouble sleeping, sometimes I'll just turn that on. And Yeah. No, these guys, look, it, it's true. Um, balance discussions often are hard for me to sit through because it is a lot of work. And it's work that certain types of people enjoy over other types. I like jumping in and playing the game. I like hanging out with people. Mm. Um, but you guys specifically here are very much into uh, the numbers and the balance. And that's awesome. We need that in in, in every uh, game and, and sometimes in life. But anyway, let's go ahead and get into it. We are talking about balance and we're talking about PTS, as Phil just mentioned. Now, it's important, I think, to let everybody know right now um, that this is more about relaying information, what's been happening with PTS, what's been happening with balance. And the discussion is going to happen where, Chris and Paul? Forums. Uh, basically, go. after we finish this podcast, like I said, we're going to open up a forum post and we can start the discussion. Now, right now, there is one that started before the Faction Play podcast, which will be coming up. Um, that discussion is already ongoing with the P uh, on the forums, and I am there, active, talking with people who are posting, taking in all the feedback, taking in all the suggestions, and it's going to be a much more... I guess, casual approach to communications rather than the kind of sterile, vetted uh, official comms. So yep. on that note, though, as far as the faction play, 
Um, should people wait to post? Uh, that way they they can hear you, what you're wanting from them, ideas. Maybe maybe there's some uh, constraints or like, hey, we can do this, but you know, maybe this not so much. Do you, could you tell them just well, to hold off on that? The thing is, is that um, when it comes to balance, there's no real constraints, right? Like, yep. yeah, we can't rewrite the whole weapon system, but at the same time, we can take a look at numbers, we can take a look at suggestions and all this stuff. Whereas with faction play, it's a feature set change, right? And that has some pretty big restrictions on it. So it's a matter of like, you might want to wait for the podcast to do your feedback, or if you just have something you just want to have heard, right? Go ahead, feedback right now. Yeah, now that that's a important um, note. There is that because obviously you go to Reddit, you go to even on the forums or whatever, you'll have people saying that PGI doesn't read. Um, I'm, you know, I have access to the internal uh, discussions, and I know that that is absolutely not the case. I understand why people feel that way. Sometimes it's like, uh, well, they didn't listen to what I said, or they didn't listen to what uh, me and my group of friends said, or they didn't act on what we said, and therefore they're not listening. You know, listening is sometimes agreeing and sometimes not agreeing. But the important thing is to get there, get your voice out. For sure, if you don't post, if you don't, you're not a part of the discussion, you won't be a part of the discussion. So um, it would be great for everybody to take part in the faction play discussion that is up there now. But I do agree that uh, waiting for the podcast, which should happen within a week or so, um, would be a better start on that. Yeah. But tonight we're here about balance and we're here about PTS. So, so in terms of balance and what PGI is looking for, what it, what does balance mean to PGI? Uh, Paul, do you want to get us kicked off with what that means? Well, I'd like to just uh, start with recapping what I said in my original post, right? Is that we are doing focused balance passes here. We're not doing a global balance pass. This is why um, right now we are focusing on that 94 point alpha. We're focusing on the energy I guess voting, or uh, let's call it what it is, what everybody else says, energy vomit. Um, we're focusing on that, right? It's not saying this is the only stuff we're ever going to change. And right now, we're just going to smash a crap out of the clans. That's not the case, right? We do know that when these kinds of changes go into a game, you're going to have to make an accountability on the other side as well. In this case, if we do do some of the numbers from uh, what's currently on PTS, uh, we would probably have to address the whole thing about the armor quirks on Inner Sphere side, right? Because there are some of those Inner Sphere mechs out there that are quite tanky. Now, people know that my favorite mech is the K2. Personally, I feel like the K2 is a little bit too tanky for what it's uh, doing. I've been stuck in situations where I'm just getting hammered left, right, and center, and I'm just like alive. And I'm going, why? Right? And it's because of these quirks. So it's a matter of addressing that. Uh, further down the road, we just want to make sure that when we announce something going on PTS, that it is for test purposes and it's for data collection purposes. Uh, just because it's on a PTS does not mean that the next patch, those numbers are going live. And that's evident by what happened with PTS 1 and 1.1 here recently with the um, laser changes. And I'll let Chris go in on details of it, but it just didn't meet the numbers that we were wanting, right? It did go in the right direction, yes, but then was it affecting the game the way we wanted it to? Was it affecting the game negatively in terms of what the player feedback was on the PTSs? No, it wasn't meeting those criteria. So we're pulling those back out. We're looking at them. Yes, there might be some numbers changed in the same direction as the PTS, but not at the current values, that's for sure. Um, 
other than that, like I said, I'll let Chris go into the details of what happened with PTS 1 and 1.1. Well, first, let's can we do you guys mind if we talk about for, again, let's let's reiterate what PTS is. So can we talk about the PTS process? Uh, Chris, would you be comfortable doing that? What is PTS? What's the purpose? It, what does PTS even stand for? Let's maybe some people out there that don't know. Chris? <laughs> well, PTS stands for the public test server and uh very heavy emphasis on the test uh, part of that. Uh, the numbers that uh, we basically uh, put up on PTS are never really considered uh, uh, final release date values. So we're explicitly putting uh, them up there to pretty much uh, test uh, various uh, things and uh, both monitor data as well as uh, form feedback uh, to see if we're effectively getting uh, the results that we want. Um, as far as like the values go, I know that there's always a lot of talk about PTS values when we uh, put them up there. Uh, due to how we kind of conduct PTSs, uh, you know, and uh, how we usually have very limited time to pretty much conduct uh, tests, what we tend to do is uh, we tend to uh, put values that uh, are pretty much on uh, kind of the high spectrum of uh, changes that we're doing. So probably a little bit too even by our own internal estimations, uh, um, probably too much, uh, you know, as far as uh, where we drive things. But we do that for very deliberate reasons. Uh, as Paul, you know, has basically said, that it's mostly for test uh, purposes. And we're trying to do that to, to both uh, kind of push uh, um, how far we can get uh, out of the data, as well as, uh, you know, identifying uh, where pushing in certain directions causes breakpoints in you know both uh, what user behavior can be what uh, you know in-game behavior can be so and all this effectively uh, um, filters into uh, what we view internally and uh, kind of the decision making process that happens there so nothing that we really put up uh, there is uh, really being considered uh, primarily for release in the state that it is in. It is literally there to give us uh, some uh, data sets as well as some uh, player feedback um, to kind of take to the table when we have these internal discussions and uh, see what the best way forward is. All right. Now, I know, uh, Chris, you and Phil um, did participate a lot in the PTS uh, implementations. I don't know if it was both 1.0 and 1.1 that you guys uh, were streaming or whatever, but... Um, mm -hmm. Can you guys fill me in on your experience? Not not um, necessarily the data. We can get into what specifically came of 1.0 and 1.1 next. But I'd love to hear from you and Phil what your experience was uh, participating in PTS. On my side, participating is going to be a little bit different from what peop other people uh, see because uh, you know, for the most part, uh, I'm participating there. Like I test values internally from a lot of uh, the um, I would say heavy traffic uh, uh, variants like the Death Strikes, the Hellbringers, and various other things. And so when PTS comes around, uh, I'm mostly trying to um, test uh, things on the other side of the equation, which is pretty much uh, you know how Intersphere mechs uh, interact with uh, these adjusted uh, clan values uh, through you know the use of skilled players and uh, as opponents. Um, and for the most part, uh, you know my experience is always. Uh, I try to kind of divorce myself from uh, you know what I'm feeling and uh, let the players kind of uh, have their say as far as what they're experiencing, uh, um, but also because I'm going to have to like go through the data and uh, pretty much 
come to conclusions uh, on my own. But uh, um, yeah, f- Phil, you would probably be like a better, you know. Um, Are you saying I was a better lab rat? That's that's what I'm I'm getting. So my experience was that you saw a sort of a switch, and that switch was uh, instead of taking X weapons. I would take X plus Y and what that X plus Y was um, where we saw where you could take more large pulls or more ER larges, which was okay. Instead of the ER uh, mediums, I'll just take, for instance, on the death strike or the Marauder 2C, I'll just take more heavy handed long range weapons. So it was sort of like, hey, uh, yes, it hits those weapons, but just like everything we do as players, when we're min-maxing, we just sort of bypass it um, and say, okay, yes, it, it did affect that, but this is what we're going to do now. And the side effect, I think, was uh, long-range play became a little bit more effective um, as well. So the PTS-1 results. Also, the Gauss recoil, It um, did it have a change? I would say yes. Did it have an overarching, like, I think it met the goal? I don't think so, um, because basically what it means is you have to fire your lasers and at the end of the burn, release your Goss um, as well. And for a skilled player, they can do that. Not a problem. Does it break up? Yeah, barely. Um, and against uh, slow moving targets, whatever, it's not going to make any difference. So that was my overall experience on PTS-1, which was like, it didn't quite achieve... Um, the goal, you know, reducing some damage on some lasers. Um, I do think there's validity in looking at that. Um, I don't know if the the heat scale changes aligned with that. Like if it would have been ER large is still set to two and large pulse is still set to two, then it would have had an impact a little bit bit more. Um, but I think something to to bring up just sort of as a point is the difference between clan lasers and the profiles, like. Is there a DPS? Is there a, a FaceTime? Is there burst DPS options? And of course, from like a min-max player, we just, what is the best option right now? I can just step around a corner and just alpha. Um, but um, on PTS 1.1, this was the duration increase. So this actually had a reverse effect um, when I first, when I got done, and Chris, you were there, which was mm-hmm. a slight duration increase on X amount of lasers. And did it did you notice a difference? Yes, on some. It was negligible, I would say. I think it could have been even more heavy-handed. But that being said, if you increase duration, there's a knockdown effect, which is you're now more sustainable because that 0.2 seconds the heavy-large takes, which from 1.55 is 1.75. Ooh, that's a huge number. No, it, it was barely noticeable. You also got 0.2 seconds more of sustainability. And so from a player uh, play style, being able to stand, uh, uh, poke out alpha and stand back and cool off, it was actually, it's, it was a betterment to that sort of play style. And that's sort of what I came to the conclusion of both, which was uh, there, was some, there was some good stuff there, but, you know, not quite hitting the mark. Well, ultimately, the, you know, there are people with differing opinions on uh, the forum and whatnot. So, and this is kind of why I don't like necessarily providing, you know, my own personal opinion on things, because I'm, Paul and myself have to kind of be the you know arbiters of what everyone else uh, says, and so we have to effectively stay impartial to uh, these kind of things. And so we lean uh, you know predominantly on you know people like Phil and people you know in the community that uh, post on the forums to kind of provide their own experiences on things, so we could uh, take a fresh look at uh, stuff. Um, but Phil did hit, uh, touch on a number of things that uh, you know. Um, 
I can I can talk about. Uh, the first is uh, kind of this notion uh, that you know the good players will work around everything and just find a different loadout that gets uh, similar results. We're not against uh, certain loadouts effectively being effective. We obviously want to, you know people to be able to customize their mechs and to go into a match and to do well in them. But where I kind of uh, come in on any kind of uh, balanced discussion is to basically uh, judge uh, what kind of uh, um, loadouts you know, are effective and what uh, can effectively counter them or can be effective counterplayed around them. So, Phil, I know that you were talking uh, to me about kind of the death strike and how people just uh, would, uh, you know, turn down the engine, um, put in an extra large class laser and, uh, you know, drop a single medium. And so, like you said, uh, it gets uh, more into the, uh, those uh, long uh, range uh, fights. We don't necessarily take any opinion on that. We're fine with uh, things being effective, but the big question for me is uh, pretty much uh, how much is that uh, build getting out uh, of that effectiveness? So in the, the case of, uh, you know, the death strike where you basically get an extra large laser in order to do that you need a ton down it's less heat efficient it has less alpha than where everything was before and yes it's still um effective at long range but you're also making yourself more vulnerable to closer range engagements so we're not necessarily um against uh, good players finding good builds that can replicate the effects for on my end, it's more about what can someone do to effectively counter those builds, and what kind of options are available to basically have um, those builds become vulnerable compared to where they were before. And as well, I said, with the death strike, you're shaving off uh, you know less speed, less heat efficiency in order to get that more potency at range. And I think what's tough with the PTS is because we only have four on four. Uh, I, I don't think sometimes you get the full aspect of like what a match would be because ultimately, yes, the 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 builds you're talking about generally took a hit. I would say the Death Strike, uh, Marauder 2C, not as much. Hunchback 2C, meh, sort of. Um, and there was a few other uh, mechs as well uh, with those loadouts. But it's just how does it actually, that 10% or 5% loss in heat efficiency, that uh, whatever top speed, does that matter? with a counter of this let's just say a brawler someone pushing or something like that and when on pts unfortunately it's like everybody's in assaults uh i dropped in a, a light a few times and it was just like uh yep just a bunch of nope um and so yeah the other thing too is like how much did it change the bar of alpha right because you have alpha which is just mm -hmm. how much can you just hit the target right in one volley but then you have sustainability and and I feel like that's there's multiple layers to the discussion of 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 balance which is yes n you know I know 94 alpha uh, a lot of people are like oh that's extreme but it's possible and there's some higher ones out there too but I would say too is that it's we've seen a sustainability go from back in the day it used to be 30 right 30 35 alpha back in the day with you know cataphracts you know dragon slayers and we've gone from 30 sustainability now to 60 through 75 sustainability and that means being able to just want do damage uh, and lasers for the most part are a i want to say low skill weapon so don't 
take that in the wrong way, but comparatively to like a uh, being able to place a Gauss round or a PPC or uh, land an SRM volley or an AC20, to be able to just point, click, and womp, uh, there goes, you know, 70 points of damage, you duck behind cover, and then in a few moments you can do that again. So that the alpha didn't really change too, too much, and I feel like, so that's why I was saying is I feel like it, it hit some marks on PTS-1, but not as much. And then same thing with like uh, PTS um, 1.1 is the the damage itself that's still out there and the sustainability really hasn't hasn't taken a hit. And if anything, on PTS 1.1, it improved with those said weapons. Well, sustainability, uh, I think, is uh, the big thing that, uh, you know, is one of the parts of the equation that we do look at. Because uh, uh, I know that a lot of Feb, when we put the 94 damage number out there, you know, People were, you know, pointing to a lot more heavier alphas and stuff, and that's fine. But what we were mostly touching on with what our issues with the 94 alpha was wasn't so much that it was doing 94 damage. There's many alphas out there and many other loadouts that can do even more than that. But what we were getting at was that it's the 94 damage in addition to everything else that comes along with that for those particular builds, mainly that they're not necessarily sacrificing much speed. They have the sustainability that you basically have, uh, you know, indicated and they're still able to get uh, that uh, alpha while maintaining things like jump jets and cool shots and various other things. So it's not necessarily the 94 damage that is the main culprit that we're trying to bring into line so much that it is, that high of an alpha in comparison to everything else that is out there, especially on the inner sphere side, in addition to how fast the mechs can go, what kind of uh, um, attributes it carries with it, in addition to having all those different components, uh, you know, the um, the direwolf can, can get up to about, you know, 110, 120 alphas, but it's sacrificing a lot of speed and a lot of durability in comparison to uh, other mechs uh, in order to acquire that. So I, I have a question, Paul or Chris. Um, you have the community out there that that is listening and they're saying, well, why don't you just buff all the weapons? I know you sort of addressed that in your post, but can we talk about that just for a moment? Because Every single conversation that we have uh, streaming every single day, and I think it's a valid question, uh, but why not just buff? Why not bring back Goss Peep? Why not just buff LBs? Why not just buff ACs? Why not just shrink a spread on SRMs, bring them, bring them back? Why not just do that? And why, why are we so focused just on the lasers? Now, there's a lot of things uh, to kind of get into with that uh, so um first off uh one of the big balance points that we have to uh, kind of uh, keep an eye on with mwo is uh, pretty much uh, the spread between 20 to 100 ton mechs and the capabilities that uh, they bring to the table so one thing that universal weapon increases uh, do is they tend to uh, um get weighted more towards uh, the heavier end uh, the more weapons you uh, include into uh, you know that global increase things like gauze rifles and ac20s uh, buffs to those uh, weapons um effectively aren't uh, buffs to anything below you know 50 tons and so what ends up happening is that those weapons that can't be utilized by the lower end of the spectrum get buffed and things on the assault and heavy front uh, you know can uh, definitely uh, either level out or um, improve but 
those improvements are only felt on one side of the overall spectrum of mechs available in the roster. So that's something that we always have to keep an eye on and keep uh, um, a careful op on. But as far as like the laser changes and what we're looking for in things that, like we were testing in PTS-1, as we've basically communicated uh, in a lot of the uh, posts that we put up regarding PTS, it's not so much that we're targeting lasers because uh, lasers are, you know, the big bad that everyone is utilizing. So much that uh, we are finding um, kind of an imbalance in the effectiveness of overall uh, lasers on the clan side compared to uh, the IS side and how that affects uh, builds that, uh, you know, can pretty much bring comparable loadouts uh, to one another. If you look at, uh, you know, the heavies and assaults, uh, for the most part, uh, energy-heavy IS mechs have kind of fallen completely off the radar. But on the clan side, you have many other options. And this is often because when it comes to like a Hellbringer or, you know, a Madcat uh, Mark II or the Marauder Mark II, they simply become better options in the grand scheme of things compared to your Grasshoppers, your Stalkers, or your Black Knights. Um, despite the fact that they might have similar hardpoint locations, loadouts, or different kind of uh, shapes. And I know that uh, you know this is a very loaded question because things uh, such as geometry, shape, and s scale come to the equation. But the general uh, notion is that uh, when you're picking uh, energy-centric mechs, clans often tend to be the much better option to go with. And it's almost a universal thing that we see no real equivalent on the IS side that kind of cracks that code. And when we have mechs on the IS side who are either focused on that through uh, flavor quirks, uh, lore reasons, or just uh, you know restrictions on the hard points, we can't have it to be to where so many mechs on one side of the faction spectrum lag so far behind when it comes to the overall builds uh, that you can br effectively bring into a match compared to the clan side. And that's uh, pretty much what drives a lot of this investigation into uh, narrowing the gap between the clan and IS side. It's not so much that we don't necessarily um, agree with the performance on the clan laser side, so much uh, that uh, there is this gulf between what an energy boat on the um, inner sphere side can effectively bring to a, the match and what can a, a clan version of the exact same loadout to bring to the match. And that's what we're ultimately trying to address. So like based off of that, you're saying that lasers are the, the one thing sort of out of whack in between uh, balance. You still feel pretty good about the like ballistics and the missiles. That's why the, the energy is being focused on. Is that basically... Chris, are you saying LRMs are perfect? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> we well, can get to that. We can get to that later. But basically, uh, I'd Paul, like to touch Paul. on this uh, mm -hmm. at a higher level, like a mile high level approach, right? Um, this goes back into just core design of what's going on with balance. And the reason why you don't balance upward all the time is that one, you're decreasing time to kill. Now, some people are out there just more than happy is like, I want decreased time to kill. I want to be able to just pop off two rounds and there's a dead mech in front of me, right? But that's not the intention of MechWarrior Online. It's never been the intention of MechWarrior Online to be that fast of a killer, right? I've seen examples of some people sending out videos and all this other stuff to different links about how balancing upward works in other games. And those other games are not games where you're trying to plow through tons of armor 
than tons of infrastructure, right? Those are person-to-person -person matches where you're just like one-shotting, two-shotting, three-shotting times, right? And that's with a human skin being basically your armor and a very high-velocity projectile being shot into that skin. But another thing that touch, touches on when you're coming to uh, upward power creep like that is that you're going to start getting the assaults, for example, dishing out tons of damage, which they should rightly do. But MechWarrior Online has always been about making sure that lights and mediums have a role in the game. Now, they shouldn't be overpowered where, like, a light should stand face-to-face -face with an assault. Re no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I just... Uh... But at the by. same time, is that um, if you think about it, it's like, okay, let's balance everything upward. That means overall DPS across the board is just shot up to the roof. Well, our counter to that to continue with our current time to kill or even trying to lengthen it is to buff the living snot out of armor. Oh, that sounds great. Let's do that. The light mediums. Light mediums all of a sudden have these quirks that give them like 800 hit points of leg armor. Like I'm exaggerating here, but um, sure. Okay, now the lights and mediums can survive. Well, what happens in the situation when a light mech meets a light mech? Do you know how long that fight's going to take? Yeah, we want to increase time to kill, but we don't want to make it so you're standing there for 30 minutes fighting each other, trying to blow one leg off. That's where the whole thing about power creep breaks, right? And that's what we're trying to avoid to have happen. I mean, the... Uh, light mechs, medium mechs, with the little bit of uh, buffs that they've been given to armor just at the core value. They're in a range where they're kind of performing okay, right? Um, there could be some adjustments there, but for now, let's say they're okay, right? An upward trajectory of weapon balance would just kill that symmetry, that uh, connection that's happening right now, right? And that's why we're pretty much saying it's like, no, we don't want to balance upward, right? in terms of meeting that high alpha laser vomit that's happening on clan side right now. We want to bring that clan side down back towards the inner sphere. We're not going for parity, but we just want to bring it back down towards the inner sphere so we don't have this situation where all of a sudden we have massive amounts of armor and inner structure on lights and mediums, right? Yeah, we, we have a very unique situation here, and I was just discussing this with uh, some friends that I game with the other day. You know. When you're playing other games where whether you're like infantry shooting each other or tanks or ships or whatever, you know, you've got you've got either character levels, a level one character usually can't do any damage to a level 30 character or a tier one tank or ship can't do any damage to a tier 10 tank or ship. We have a unique situation um, where every vehicle is viable and it's also different. It's different um, than other games as far as how the damage is uh, addressed and so forth. And so I, I think it's, again, I want to point out for anybody listening to this right now, don't worry, I don't have anything to do with the balance decisions. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm here to listen and discuss. However, it makes me respect everybody that's involved, whether they're balancing for a different game other than ours or our game. I think it's a, again, we have a very unique situation I was going to say it's even it's tough, too, because, you know, like every single day interacting with uh, community members, all different skill levels, all different uh, sort of ages. And you can ask uh, players, the veteran players that have been playing for a while and it doesn't matter if they're top or whatever. And 
you can get two different answers, three, four different answers. Like just asking, uh, I've been playing um, um, and having, uh, like I was talking to Rhythm on stream not too long ago and Bearclaw and, and so forth. And one of the things is you had two different answers. I could ask like, do you think, you know, like laser vomit is a little bit OP on the client side? And I got one yes and uh, no, not really. And so there, you know, that's that's sometimes the difficult thing, too, is like the community can be dead set of like, hey, no, this isn't a problem. And then PGI is like, this is a problem. Um, and the thing that I think is really good and uh, is that uh, communication you guys posted, you're saying, hey, we don't like where things are going. At you don't have to agree with that as a community member. You don't have to agree. Like, be, to be fair, you don't have to agree. But now you at least know where Paul and Chris stand. Uh, so, uh, you know, like Targato and Kaniyashi and, and people that, uh, create content and, uh, in the community that talk about this all the time, at least now, you know, so I, I think from my point of view, when I, when we talk about laser imbalance, I bring up the Hellbringer 65 tonners. We were just talking about this yesterday. It's a simple little task. Is it the mech or is it the, the weapon systems and equipment? And when you look at the, the mech, what it's capable of doing compared to, uh, other 65 tonners. So compare the Hellbringer to the, the Ebon, which one's better? You're going to get a mixed view there, um, you know, but for the most part, I would say the Hellbringer usually ekes out and why you see it so often. And, and there's a few reasons for that. But then what you do is, okay, let's go across the pond. What are the best 65 tonners for the, the IS side? And then once you eke that out, now cross and, and say which one, and you have a Hellbringer, the 65 ton, Zero quirks, by the way. Now, there is one setup you can take where someone drops the left torso on the Hellbringer, the Prime, and takes the F. That gets like a 10% uh, or 10 or 5% heat. But that is very rare. I don't think you see that very often. So that argument, uh, someone did bring it up. But compare the Hellbringer and well Evan's performance to the ISI, and you've got Roughnecks that are right up there. But also look that the Roughneck has... 30 extra hit points, you know, to the CT and some ballistic quirks. And yet, right, yet the Hellbringer has zero. And yet you're seeing that sort of performance. And that's sort of why I talk about, like, there, there is something going on with lasers there, like DPS per ton. They're fantastic. We all know it. And ER. And it's, it is a really tough, you know, call as far as like, okay, well, do you decrease the damage? Well, then, no, I'm never going to use it again. Do you increase duration? No, well, it's too long. And I, I do feel like there just needs to be compromise. The community has to realize something does need to happen. Um, and that's where I look at the PTSs and I see, you know, value in the PTSs because we're trying multiple different ideas and uh, seeing what works and what doesn't. Chris. To speak on the the Hellbringer and uh, the Ebon Jags, I'd, uh, I think that uh, you know Phil basically brings up a good point. But one thing uh, from my perspective is also the types of loadouts that you can take uh, on the mechs, and uh, what loadouts are the ones that are the problem when it comes to the entire is it the mech or the loadout discussions. What I always uh, tend to look at is what happens when you take alternative loadouts in those mechs. If you go with an a ballistic or a missile, um, Evan Jaguar. No one compare. does that. But <laughs> the, the the thing is, is that uh, to ache a ballistic uh, um, Hellbringer or Evan Jaguar, a missile um, Hellbringer and Evan Jaguar. Now those mechs that you know are typically overperforming against equivalents with their energy boats. 
when they take ballistic or missiles, how do they stack up now to the rest of the 65-tonner lineup? And yeah. if if they are still skewing above average, then yes, maybe it's the mech. But if it really is just... If someone can basically go into the mech lab and uh, come up with a completely different loadout that doesn't involve lasers and have that uh, be um, effectively on par with uh, various uh, mechs on the IS side... But then once he, he takes energy weapons, and then it just starts. Um, yeah, it skews. Once 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 he, yeah. once he takes energy weapons, it starts skewing way above uh, what the average. What it does that those are the things that uh, effectively uh, um, make us target these things because on the IS side, there's still things like thunderbolts in the 65 ton range that uh, could uh, effectively be energy boats that. Unfortunately, lag behind uh, those mechs like the Evan Jaguar and the Hellbringer, who do the exact same thing at the exact same tonnage ratio, but much more efficiently than things like Thunderbolts or Roughnecks can do. No, and I and I agree. When you when you t what what used to be the go-to Hellbringer setup, dual UAC fives and ER mediums, that used to be the go-to. Now we didn't have some of the IS uh, mechs at the time, but now if you were to take UAC fives and mediums and a Hellbringer. I mean, someone would be like, dude, what are you doing? Um, but I do think if you were to compare them to the IS side, they would be pretty balanced and maybe even skewed more towards IS because guess what? Some of those IS mechs have not only, you know, 30 points extra in the CT armor mm -hmm. and structure plus weapon quirks, but they're also there to counter what? Well, which is the, the 65 to 75 yeah. sustainable alphas and, um, that are going around there. And Paul, I think no. you, you had something you wanted to say about the, the armor quirks. Yeah, well, that's what I just wanted to quickly interject on was that with these changes and with the direction currently focusing on the clan side laser vomit situation is that we do realize that there is this uh, inconsistency on the inner sphere side if we start doing those changes to the clan. Those 30-point quirks you're talking about are going to have to go away, right? Whether they're zeroed out or whether they're just reduced, but they're going to have to get reduced substantially, right? Um, <clears throat> when it comes to the inner, let, let's talk about percentages here. Let's pretend that we're just going to do a global 20% nerf to clan lasers, right? The inner sphere uh, structure reduction would have to be probably around a 30% thing. Now, I'm just using ballpark numbers here, just for an example. Hypothetical, people. The reason why uh, the clan, or sorry, the Innisphere uh, armor nerf would be higher is just because of the pure damage number change that's going to happen on the clan side, right? Even if it's even if we just look at like a duration change like we did with a PTS 1.1, that's requiring a lot more time on target, a lot more face time, right? That trade-off is massive compared to like a five-point reduction on inner sphere armor, right? That's just not a fair thing to do, right? It's not going to feel right either. So if we do these things, I just want people to be very, very aware. It's like this is not just a one-sided thing that's going to happen. We're taking a look at all aspects of what's happening in this change of damage. And just to kind of add on to that... Uh... It's not just about uh, the weapon output and uh, kind of uh, the effectiveness between uh, IS and clans, but also all of the other things that we try to keep an eye on when it comes uh, to uh, um, overall balance for the game itself, which includes uh, things like uh, 
20 tonners uh, versus a uh, hundred tonners and to those lighter mechs, like how do they match up now against uh, the IS mechs that do have reduced, uh, you know, structure and armor quirks? Uh, does that make it easier for things uh, such as uh, the uh, Viper or, you know, a Huntsman to pretty much uh, be able to engage those heavier targets where before the armor quirks uh, might be a bit detrimental to them engaging them? Okay. So I've got a question for you guys. Let's talk about LRMs for a moment. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say my part and then I'd love to hear, uh, you know, Paul and Chris's response. LRMs for the most part at a certain, I would say skill level have never really been used or haven't been used in a very long time because direct fire is, is king. Um, now we've recently had buffs. We first had a velocity increase of 10%, uh, I want to say two, three months ago. I want to say that that was somewhere around there to uh, LRMs. Um, and then recently we've had buffs as well. Now the community's reaction of course has been filled with memes and sometimes a little bit of anger and, and angst and why would you do this? And, um, this isn't what we asked for. And, oh my gosh, look at now what, what solo players or, or, or people can do and, and trolling. But I will say, even still at the higher play, I still think that they're not going to be taken and they're not going to be used. We have a weapon system, indirect fire, that got buffed. Uh, I, I do feel it's a little bit of out of whack because of uh, we it, it can snowball very quickly. And we've got uh, ECM, NARC, TAG, and, and, you know, of course, organization can go a long way. That all being said... Um, I feel like LRMs are just in a weird place. And, uh, you know, is that something that's one, uh, are you aware to what's being done by and, and is there ever going to be any mechanics change? Uh, obviously it's been suggested out there, uh, Hey, indirect fire is cool, but it, you can't buff it the way it is because it becomes OP how it is. Have you guys considered direct fire as well? Being able to toggle, um, stuff like that. My spiel, Chris, Paul. Uh, I don't know. People are upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm going to let Chris touch on this one. Okay, so kind of stepping back and looking at uh, the bigger picture uh, kind of thing, one of the core things uh, that uh, we also balance against is choices within the mech lab and kind of uh, the entire weapon roster in of itself. We don't want there to be dead weight in the mech lab. We don't want it to be where someone can come across a weapon that they might uh, feel like they want to use it, and it's just utterly useless in-game. And the thing that kind of started this uh, entire process uh, with uh, LRMs uh, really started uh, with uh, the way that, uh, you know, at least myself, uh, was uh, viewing uh, uh, kind of what the community was uh, doing to people in queue when uh, they were trying to uh, take LRMs. As we're, MechWare Online, because of uh, the Mech Lab, uh, is all about personal customization of the mechs that uh, you have and taking into the matches to try to win an engagement. And what we're finding is that uh, there was a lot of hostility towards uh, those people who would take um, LRMs into matches. Uh, sometimes uh, very nasty hostility towards uh, teammates that uh, were basically trying to play the mechs uh, that they wanted to play. And for the most part, uh, two months ago before the Velocity buff, uh, LRMs, uh, not just at uh, high levels, but at most levels, were a subpar weapon system. And as we basically said, we want to have uh, the least amount of dead weight in the mech lab as uh, possible. 
and especially when it came to the weapon systems, especially one with uh, as unique of a mechanic as uh, the LRMs, we don't want them to effectively just drag someone's build down. So we did set about uh, improving it uh, because uh, we don't want a situation where that many weapon systems just uh, are just wasting space in the overall weapons roster. Um, the velocity increases uh, came when they came. Uh, they were pretty much uh, hailed as uh, you know much needed for the weapon systems, and even with uh, the velocities uh, increases. At max range, it still takes about, uh, I would say, six or seven seconds uh, for a volley to get all the way over to uh, someone. And so, even with the heat buffs, even with the velocity buffs, what we're still finding, and Phil, Darren, you can definitely chime in on this if I'm off base here, but in standard play and against skilled opponents, uh, the LRM is still a very subpar system. If you're prepared for it, if uh, you recognize that it could be a potential threat on the battlefield, you can uh, pretty much still play around it. But it is better than what it was prior, which was basically just wasting space in the overall weapons roster. We're not going to be in a position where we want to reduce uh, the weapon back into obscurity to where people just don't take it anymore. But some of the things revolved uh, in around LRMs, such as the ease of use and uh, kind of uh, the force multipliers that are involved with it, are things that, uh, you know, through improving the baseline weapon, have kind of come under the microscope as things that now need to be looked at. Because what we're ending up seeing is that the baseline LRM system is still a very ineffective weapon system, but when you combine it with Artemis, when you combine it with TAG, when you combine it with NARC, when you combine it uh, with uh, you know this, the teamwork uh, and coordination, it becomes uh, effectively what you said, Phil, kind of a snowball weapon that uh, becomes almost overwhelming at times. So ultimately, we don't want LRMs uh, to become dead weight in the roster again, uh, but we do recognize uh, that the current state, uh, there are a lot of things that kind of uh, compound on them to be a bit of a nuisance in the current game. So coming August patch, uh, we're going to be hitting the ease of use uh, for the weapon, as well as a number of the force multipliers that compound on uh, the baseline attributes for the weapon. Uh, so what this means is uh, the biggest change is going to be um, pretty much a tightening of the lock-on mechanics itself. The actual kind of leeway before your weapon lock uh, will start is going to be shrinking uh, pretty sub substantially. Um, about uh, I think it's going to be about 50% less surface area uh, than it is currently. Um, I'll have a graphic about it in the patch notes. Then after that, uh, we're going to be hitting uh, the Artemis uh, system. And specifically, how it affects uh, lock-on times and uh, um, the tracking of the missiles itself. So there's a little bit more uh, difficulty in trying to get those locks indirectly uh, when you're having Artemis. It doesn't uh, provide the bonus anymore. Um, and the tracking will pretty much uh, not uh, be what it is uh, currently. Um, from there, we're going to also uh, hit the NARC launcher. So many of the videos that Paul was kind of alluding to uh, that got forwarded to both of us uh, were very much CW-related, or the faction play-related. This is where we found uh, a little bit of an issue with the way that the current NARC launcher works, uh, very specifically kind of uh, the rate at which it can acquire um, targets. So we're actually going to be doubling the cooldown on NARC 
to kind of reduce uh, the um, those situations uh, where a single narc launcher can effectively tag half the team in less than 30 seconds. And uh, from there, we're also going to be uh, giving a boost uh, to ECM range to uh, pretty much uh, um, give a little bit more counterplay and to make ECM a bit more of a team support weapon than instead of a kind of personal cloaking device. Okay, no. so from 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 my perspective, because you know I'm a average, maybe a little bit above average player. Um, LRMs are never really an issue for me. Um, I've been playing long enough to where you know I know how to counter, uh, whether it be cover, teammate, a hill, building, whatever, or um, running ECM. Um, I see, the, you know, the less skilled players, the more skilled players. I see their issues with LRMs, but I feel, for me, at my skill level. It's very situational. Yes, one out of 20 matches, I'll be killed by LRM rain or something. Maybe not even that. Maybe one out of 30, maybe one out of 40. I feel it's very situational where you come up against those, you know, you're basically discussing, or, or in my opinion, it's a little bit of a lightning in a bottle where the other team has NARC and all these things, and at five people have LRMs and, and you get, you know, whatever map that's terrible for LRMs. Um, that just doesn't happen very often. I think that's very situational. And I people I feel people use that a little bit as a red herring. It's like, oh, look, I just had this match. Everybody on the other team had NARC and LRMs. Well, that was probably organized. And yeah, bad luck for you. But for me, on the most part, I don't have an issue with LRMs. Um, I kind of also feel that LRMs are, it's, it's our indirect weapon. Other games, people hate artillery hmm. for tanks and they hate carriers for ships. And that will never change. It will never, ever change. I think there's people that just don't like indirect fire. They think it's unfair. It's cheating. It's whatever. It's not their play style. Um, and so there's a lot of, I think, built up hate. I don't necessarily share that opinion. And all these balance changes you're talking about, I don't care one way or the other. If all of a sudden I go out and I'm getting killed by LRMs all the time, then I'm going to start caring about it a little bit more. I understand the people with more skill or less skill um, you know, these balances may affect and might, might be a good thing. And that's awesome, but it's just never been a, a big deal for me, my personal perspective. And I think that comes down to that's fine, but there are things that, uh, that players can do if they're running into it, which is one, find out what situation are you, are you running solo or are you running group? Uh, and what situations are happening? Um, so for instance, Something that's uh, sort of crept back into some of my builds, but it's on skill tree is radar deprivation. Some of you guys weren't around when that was a module and it was it was literally the go to module like you. You didn't not take it and it was instantaneously lose locks. Majority of the time you can duck behind cover or duck behind a friendly. They lose a lock and they have to reacquire a lock and fly. It, those are the type of things obviously AMS, obviously ECM. I think though the, the issue currently is that uh, you have a weapon system that in an indirect form can be highly abused by a skilled player, but also by just regular Joe Schmoes that uh, with a little bit of coordination and it doesn't take a whole lot too. And I think that's how many supernovas uh, do you see just sort of sitting back there now, just romp, 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 you know, and that's where, again, I have to sort of ask, is there, have you guys considered making because you can't buff LRMs even more where they're at, right? Like you, like I feel like that's we're we're at that where it's that. You're saying point. you shouldn't. You right? shouldn't. Saying, yeah. Well, I you could. Can. <laughs> you can. Believe me, Paul uh, can do whatever the hell. But he wants. Uh, 
the the problem is we don't have an alternate you know it's and that's where i feel like the direct fire option or you just leave lrms where they're at you do what you do as far as the changes but i, I still feel like lrms can be used um uh in a direct fire manner um, but i will say this even if you had a direct fire uh toggle if you will um i still see it being a hard pressed weapon to be effective as far as even at the higher skill level because i still think direct fire but i feel like they could be used a lot like how atms are being used and that's why even uh, you know decent players like atms uh and atms can be uh, used because they're the sort of reverse you want to be closer to your targets and if you're using atms and you can be right behind your friendlies helping throw three damage per uh, missile out that's awesome um but i just feel like uh if if have you guys considered doing a direct? Is that something that uh, would be a possibility? Because I know that's it's asked about quite a bit. Well, just kind of to rewind a, a bit, because uh, I have to cover both Darren and uh, what you've uh, covered. But uh, uh, like we said, uh, we've heard uh, the criticisms uh, from the community, and we also know that uh, you know one of our general goals is to uh, widen the viability of uh, the overall weapon roster, and that includes LRMs. Like we do want LRMs to ultimately have a place uh, to where they're not effectively the cancer weapon or the weapon that uh, you're going to ridicule your teammates uh, for bringing into a match. Uh, we do want uh, LRMs to be effective when utilized effectively. But with that said, we're always open uh, to hearing about the current uh, um, ease of use uh, for the weapon. And uh, we are going to be hitting uh, the ease of use uh, with this uh, coming patch. Um, we're aggressively going after a lot of those force multipliers and that's going to be probably be it for august but we're still going to be open to uh, hearing feedback as well as uh, targeting improvements uh, provided that uh, those improvements uh, aren't there to effectively just remove one effect one weapon from the overall roster all right so i feel definitely like lrms is one of those topics and there's others that is divisive in our community, right? We were talking about that earlier. I love our communities, full of passion, um, but a lot of, like you were saying, Phil, a lot of differing well, opinions. Well, and, and you mentioned Artie, and I, I do think you're 100% right. Like, you can, LRMs can be in a good spot, and someone's like, I fucking hate them, just useless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's one of those things that shows that our community is fractured, but whole. Um, sorry, I had to, but... Uh, well, one thing I'd like to just poke in on is that... Go, Paul. I will state this is that we will never get LRMs to a point where mm -mm. everything's covered across every level. And everybody's gameplay. happy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Never. Right. LRMs are an area of um, denial service, which is utilized by not just lower tier, but mid tier. And sometimes the high tiers will try to use it. Right. But at the same time, it's not meant to be a direct fire. Well, not direct fire in terms of how you target. I'm just talking about you point at something and you fire LRMs at it. Right. It's a trajectory-based missile system, and that's the way it's currently playing out. Now, I'm not saying we need to buff it anymore or we need to nerf it or what. either direction. I'm just saying is that it's never going to be a weapon system where everybody's just like, yeah, this is perfect. Let's go, right? Yeah. And again, I think, you know, again, from a person who's been playing for six, seven years, average, a little above average maybe, it's just not a, a big deal. And I feel like a lot of times the arguments are based on um, very specific situational Well, one you know, thing I, I haven't anecdotes. seen well, is and even at the higher level, 
I, I haven't actually seen of any groups, because uh, I've, I've talked to a few, I haven't seen any Team X, Team B go to uh, private matches and say, X map, we're going to design around LRMs or at least have you know a few on. Can you counter? And and no, LRMs are still OP at the high, you know, like I haven't seen that happen. What I've have seen is uh, hey, skilled players are forming a group, and it doesn't even have to be a big big one, and they're just raffle stomping the shit out of uh, people on group queue. Now that being said, same group of players could be in direct fire mix and do it and as do well. the exact same but, thing. But uh, I guess what their argument is, and I think it's valid, is how, the ease of use, though the ease of use from a player taking those LRMs and how easy it was to to narc or tag and just rain hell and they the enemy team couldn't really do anything and i think that's the valid criticism um you know and so the the change is what you're talking about uh chris um i think will work have you guys can you know like what about line of sight are you guys happy with the indirect fire nature is that you guys are good to go on that well like i've said before on multiple tuning balance change stuff is that we're always investigating and we're always tuning so yes we'll be keeping an eye on it but I can't promise any sort of new systems coming online, right? It's not off the table. I just can't say, yes, we're heading that direction. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Chris, uh, is there anything else, or Paul, uh, in regards to balance? Before we um, kind of restate the the results of 1.0 and 1.2, and or I'm sorry, 1.1, and uh, what's coming up, is there anything else about balance that you'd like to uh, touch on? Well, I just want to touch on like the scope of balance, right? Like it's not just about changing numbers in an XML statement. It's not about looking around and just watching people play, observing what's going on on the battlefield. There's so much more in play. Um, one of the contention points I still hear about is something like the engine desync, right? And I'm going to go out and so far as to say as that engine desync did what we wanted to do. Uh, did it have any sort of negative impact? Yes, it actually did. And we're very well aware of it. Um, this is something that I've been talking with Chris with for quite a while, but <clears throat> it's always been on the horizon. Sure, now is the time we can pull up closer into like our direct path of balance uh, changes, right? One thing that I've always been concerned about is the impact of the engineers sync on the heavies and assaults. Now, I'm not saying that they should be rebuffed back up to the level pre-engine desync. There's no way in hell that's going to happen because, like I said, the engine desync did the majority of what we wanted it to do. But there is on a case-by-case -case basis at a chassis level, right, where we can start giving some uh, agility back to the heavies and assaults. Now, Chris's primary target, like when I first mentioned this, he says exactly, like the Atlas, right? And the Atlas took a pretty big hit when it came to agility. So, yeah, let's give them back some, right? Um, I've never wanted a state where an assault mech just cannot bring their weapon systems to bear on a light mech running around, right? I'm not saying you should be able to track them and get a full laser burn on them, right? But at the same time, you should be able to swing your mech around quick enough to try to at least get a shot off on them. Right. And in some cases, that's just not happening right now. So that's one direction we need to look at. The other thing is that, um, for example, this whole discussion about the laser uh, duration, the damage levels, all this kind of stuff, how we're going to address all that. Well, all of this is fine and dandy, but when you're um, addressing a weapon system, 
right? You're doing a global wide faction based change, right? If something like the duration change, which I do believe like is a good direction to head, but we just got to make sure we don't overdo those numbers. But we got to look into things like, well, how is this affecting the lights and mediums in the um, in the mech bay, right? Well, let's take a look at it. Well, some of these lights, they can only bring a very few number of energy weapons, right? And they're obviously tonnage restricted. So what can we do to help them? And that's when we can start bringing in back what the quirk system was actually meant for was a flavor-based uh, scenario where if you have a mech that can only carry two medium lasers, well, that laser duration nerf hit this guy pretty hard. Well, let's give him a quirk that gets rid of that nerf. Or it might not get rid of it, but it'll affect that nerf. It'll let him run more heat efficient, right? Um, maybe the damage is higher. Who knows, right? But we'll counter the uh, negative impact based on tonnage, right, in terms of lights and mediums, rather than just saying, you know what? You just got to deal with it, right? So it's just we have a multifaceted i don't know it's not a rubik's cube it's more like a rubik's tetrahedron or whatever right and we have to make sure that we're looking at all angles and i just want to make sure that everybody out there knows that we are looking at those angles the rubik's what did you call it tetrahedron sure the less popular i don't even know the 80s <laughs> i don't even know if that's a proper shape but what is that what are you old people know. talking about who knows I don't even know. so chris what about you follow up any other balance uh well, just, to, just to touch on uh, what Paul said uh, about the engine desync and it's uh, basically doing what we designed it to do. Engine desync was never meant to, to basically replicate what uh, the full mastery um, skills did before. The engine desync was primarily there to uh, um, basically get you those base agility and then the skill tree was uh, there to replicate uh, the mastery system from before. So when we basically tuned uh, the initial engine desync, uh, we are going more for those baseline values because we are counting on people to um, reinvest in mobility through the skill tree. So in things uh, like the Atlas, uh, like Paul said, in actuality, the engine desync actually gives it more base agility than what it had prior to uh, um, the introduction of uh, the engine desync and the skill tree. But what we're finding is that people are just not investing in the skill tree to reinvest in uh, those uh, um, mobility attributes uh, to get it back. So we are going to be uh, looking at uh, kind of uh, giving the heavies and assaults a second look uh, for some of them to pretty much uh, bring up their natural stats and hopefully make the uh, skill tree a bit more appealing on the mobility front to get you even greater mobility than what you had prior to it. But I think that uh, when it comes to the overall discussion that we just have to kind of uh, remind uh, people that uh, engine desync was uh, more about uh, getting those baseline attributes prior to the old mastery system. So under the old system, it would be effectively the mech you would uh, get with zero experience uh, and no skill unlocks. Um, whereas now, you get the baseline values, and now it's um, boosted through the skill tree to either get to those old values uh, through, I think, about 20 points uh, worth of investment in the skill tree, or go even further from that through more um, investment in other parts of the mobility tree. And I think what's tough with that, though, is from a player standpoint, 
they're going to invest in firepower. They're going to invest in protection. And what you're saying is, you know, obviously the mobility oh. tree just has to be more enticing. But if they choose not to take the mobility, whereas before the mechs just had it, that that's that's where I feel like uh a lot of the players just sort of like ah you know like and of course i'll quote someone my my spirit bear just don't feel the same you know well here's the thing is like like i said we're not going to take it back to like pre-introducing but at the same time it's like yes okay we're going to give you the agility that you kind of had right and because you're getting this uh baseline buff to your agility the investment into the skill tree is just that plus beyond Right. So it's not just saying, okay, you probably want to spend some points in the mobility tree just because it's there. No, we're saying like, now that we have an increased agility baseline, right? That buff that you're buying into with a skill tree is even more uh, valuable to you. And of course, you know, that that's good. I, I just feel like, uh, again, that that's just sort of emphasizes sort of how like we as players, we look at the skill tree and what's important to us and if i'm getting a little bit more base agility uh then well maybe my mech feels better yeah now i don't need to invest and that's that's the the min max player is okay i got a little bit more exactly but the Uh, thing is i'm not gonna even dump it into the skill tree anymore yep that's exactly the reasoning behind it too right it becomes a decision point that you're gonna make right do you want to make your assault do you want to make your assault like crazy agile then invest in the skill tree if not if you're happy with it where they currently are with this new buff right hey just leave it at that and that and that's where i feel like quirks or in the case of mobility i know it's just baseline stats you can go on a per actually you can do per chassis per variant if you really want um to to improve because uh again if if you buff you know let's just say the kodiak 3's agility back to where it was baseline no one's going to take the mobility. They're just going to be like, oh, hey, my toy's back. You know, let me take firepower and protection. Whereas uh, you could buff some of those other Kodiaks in the baseline and bring them up, and it's not like they'll be abused. Sorry, KDK3 players. There's always going to be stuff that, you you know, like, and again, someone could suggest something, and it sounds good, but then it'll have reverse effects. And well, what is it I always say, see. Phil? You, you don't, don't know, know what you don't, what you know. don't know. Yeah, and Jeez. look, there's a lot of brilliant people in this community. Absolutely, um, you know, Terragato and 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 there's a there's a whole bunch of them out there. Let's be honest. Yes. Like Chris and I saw Terragato's uh, video on his discussion points, right? And it is the resource that we pulled from to do the decision to make the duration changes rather than just damage or heat or anything else like this right so let's give props where props are due yeah and and that's great and that's that's the thing me and chris talk about you know is we'll we'll see ideas we test them uh but even with the test yes uh it may not be exact numbers uh and i think there has to be compromise um is that there's a reverse effect that we saw. Yes, it was a community idea. Yes, there is a validity and testing. We tested it. What is the reverse effect? Well, your mech actually runs more sustainable. Um, and to be fair, like, uh, you know, that's okay. Well, can I interject here, Phil? Yes. Uh, another, yes. another thing, uh, as we said earlier in the podcast, uh, 
the testing values are always at the extreme end of what we want to test because we're mostly trying to look at uh, what this direction does for us and where the breakpoints are. So uh, I know that there's a lot of uh, strong feelings uh, towards uh, the actual values that we put up uh, for testing, but just keep in mind that uh, what we put up uh, on PTS is not meant uh, for final release. It's meant for internal testing and to getting those data points when we basically push along this route and to monitor both what the player reaction is as far as what they do and what they make adjustments to in their builds when they bring it into the PTS, but also um, where those breakpoints are and what are our absolute limits uh, for how far we can push those before we start running into issues. When it comes to things like the numbers on PTS, like Chris is saying, is that they are set high, right? Just so we can see the overall effect. And then we start, uh, start playing with the numbers between uh, PTS 1 and 1.1. Now, the numbers changes between the two were very minimal. Like the number of actual edits to the XML files were very minimal, right? That's because we saw what came out of 1.0. We wanted to see what would come with the changes suggested, plus the stuff we wanted to take a look at. That's what the um, delta was between those two. And we got a new set of numbers. And like I said in my post, is like they're not meeting our criteria. They're in the right direction, but they're just not there yet, right? So we're not going to use those numbers. Um, another thing is that we're looking at these kind of uh, changes that will make a minor impact on this overall laser and uh, alpha problem that we have. One of the things is that we've always been talking about this 94-point alpha, right? I mean, we're not looking to take that 94 alpha and making it 60. Right. What we're trying to do is just shave anything we can off of it. If the numbers we change using duration, a little bit of damage reduction, take four points of damage off that and make it 90, hey, at least that's in the right direction. Right. Is it as far as we want it to go? Not really. But at the same time, it's like that would be the extreme that our current uh, direction is going. If we go any further, it's going to start really negatively impacting gameplay. Well, guess what? We're just going to deal with that four-point reduction. Then we'll look for other areas to help us to get rid of some more of the overall damage. It's like whittling a piece of wood just a little bit at a time to achieve that. What I feel is like, you know, we're never going to achieve perfection, right? Because it's a living, breathing entity. Um, Do we want to discuss where we're going next? We've had uh, PTS 1.0 and one point. One? Are we going to have a 1.2, a 2.0, something like that? Well, one of the other things that has been uh, brought up, suggested, and it's something we looked into before, but at the same time, it's like, let's take a look at it again. Let's just try it out, right? And that's the heat cap and faster dissipation. And Chris cool has... Oh. Uh, yeah. Cool shots. <laughs> They're going to cost eight times as much. Damn it. Sorry, guys. Well, speaking of cool shots, uh, um, that is one thing that we're also going to be potentially looking at uh, changing in the August uh, patch as well. Again, this kind of uh, gets back to uh, something that I hear about uh, quite a bit is uh, just the overall um, skill points in for the power out that you get through the skill tree and uh, just the native power of cool shots themselves. And uh, what we're ultimately targeting this incoming patch is... uh, um, the effectiveness of cool shots uh, for energy weapon uh, builds as opposed to ballistic and missile uh, builds. So we are going to be expecting uh, some cool shot changes, uh, not to the actual um, 
the actual amount that they dissipate, but we're going to be stretching uh, that 14 points of uh, base heat that you get from them across uh, a three-second duration rather than a single-second uh, duration coming in the next patch. So instead of it just dumping heat, it'll dump heat over three seconds. Yeah, it'll still dissipate the same 14 heat that it does uh, right now, but uh, it's going to take uh, just a little bit uh, more foresight to use it and not just uh, burn it right before you use your weapons. So what do you what do you guys think, Phil? What do you think the result of that will be? How will that play out? Well, I mean, the big thing is how you use it is if you're pressing again Hellbringer, whatever, whatever you're running hot with, and you go to Alpha and you're hitting your limit anyways, just be able to hit hit it again and literally you're able to alpha one more time if not two so it's like it's a it's a free potentially 60 70 damage boom right there um so that's good um i do want to ask have we ever considered removing them above my head that would be a paul question yes at least now it costs skill points whereas before it was just a module slot and and so forth not all mechs had them and that was also another thing. But I feel like since their introduction, it's not like they have a drawback. Um, and again, it, it's not like you use a cool shot and then you have, uh, you know, your dissipation uh, rate sucks afterwards. It's not like MechWare 4 where you had a cool, a cool shot bar and, you know, that's all you had or whatever. I just feel like since their introduction, it just leads to imbalances when it comes to heat. Have we thought about just removing cool shots? Well, Chris mentioned that he said this discussion was above his head, and I'm going to say that it's actually above mine, too. Right? What? Uh, <laughs> cool shots were always a hot, debatable topic here internally, right? Um, I don't know. It's something that we could bring up again, right? But right now, addressing just currently what's in-game, is what's priority for us right now. Yeah, and just to also reiterate, I know I've said this on uh, your stream a few times, uh, Paul, uh, or sorry, Phil, but uh, although I can't remove uh, cool shots from the game, I can definitely take steps uh, to better balance it against uh, the other options that are around the game. So we're not opposed to necessarily uh, changing the way that they currently work, but uh, we do have to factor in their inclusion into the game as it is, because as Paul said, it's above our heads that this is an item that does exist in the game and does have to have a purpose set within the game, but I can definitely take steps to balance uh, the actual use of it within the game. So that will obviously be a uh, potential discussion topic that we bring up with Russ when we have him on a future podcast, which we've been chatting with him. He wants to do one. He's had a busy summer. So I think we'll, we can expect to have him on soon. But I would like to um, wrap this one up. So to you again, Chris or Paul, um, PTS 2.0, do we, do we want to give any indication of when this might be happening or, or do we want to leave it open? Well, personally, I just want to make sure it gets out there fairly quickly, right? Don't want to spend too much time spinning wheels here. Sure. Um, <clears throat> like, I just want the community to understand is that we are not just sitting here like, oh, okay, let's take our time, analyze the metrics, let's drag this out. No, right? We're trying to come up with something that's comprehensive, allows us to make the changes that we want in the game, that some of the changes that you want in the game. Um, 
and to be able to do that in a somewhat timely manner. But the thing is, when I say somewhat timely manner, is that we are working full bull here on all aspects of just not just MWO, but we have MechWarrior 5 going, right? MechCon. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the How's that here. SuperPod coming along? Uh, we just got a final quote on price, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff, obviously. Um, yeah. But that's awesome. And it, it's all good stuff. It just it's going to be that, very cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so 2.0 coming up. Again, I want to reiterate, we, we spoke on this at the beginning uh, player feedback on this because you you know we're wanting this to be a discussion and, and and get the feedback. The place for everybody to go and take part in this discussion of balance is the MWO forums, correct, Paul? Yes, and let me just clarify this. Mm -hmm. um, Russ likes to talk on Twitter, right? I don't. Yep. Russ points all of your twitters at me, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you want concerted like concentrated focused feedback on balance and you want to be talking with chris and i directly right get it in that forum thread reddit is not the place for it uh twitter is not the place for it especially with twitter's character limit which is just yeah so anti-discussion it's not funny threads paul threads <laughs> right but at the same time it's like let's get it into the forums right yep um like I see this numerous times. Every time I say this, is like get it in the forums. Oh, it's just the brown sea. Mm -hmm. No, they're right? not going to. We're going to be taking care of it, right? Yep. I mean, if you're going to go in there and just post like some sort of madman, yeah, you're probably going to get moderated and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But come in there with your opinions, stated in a productive manner, right? It's going to get heard. It's going to get analyzed, and we're going to come back and say, yeah or no, right? Um, I can't say, sorry, don't let me sit there promising you that every single post, everyone's going to get a response. Yeah. But the thing is <laughs> the key points are going to be addressed, right? Things that come up and make us just go, Hmm, can we go that direction? Or, you know what? That's completely off the table. We just can't do that. Right. We'll let you know. Yeah. I think it's, that's a super important point to make it, you know, is that, uh, number one, Reddit, uh, podcasts, um, tweet, t Twitter, tweets, whatever. Great way to discuss things. But if you're wanting to take part in this discussion directly with Chris and Paul on balance, on PTS, um, then go to the MWO forums and post, you know, in a mature, civil way. And I guarantee you they're going to read it. I already know. I see him I reading this stuff every single day. Yes, Chris. I was just going to say, as I've kind of said a few times on my own Twitter, there are multiple stakeholders in all of these changes. And yeah. just tweeting to either myself or Russ uh, on our personal Twitters is the worst way to get in front of all the people who have eyes on these discussion points. So by all means, uh, the best place to go is still going to be the forums and not Reddit or Twitter, um, because it is the... Easiest guarantee that uh, it gets in front of all of the people who are behind the scenes uh, looking at these things and making these decisions. And if you Absolutely. post it on my Twitter, it's going to get read in about once every two weeks. There you go. All the reasons to point you directly to MWOMercs.com. Go to the forums, check it out. Um, and I want to thank you, Phil and I both want to thank you, Chris and Paul, for being here, having this discussion on balance and PTS. More PTS coming soon, folks, so let's uh, keep our eyes out for that. Uh, take part in the discussion. And then, Paul, 
we're going to have another one of these for faction warfare coming up uh, soon, right? Uh, maybe a week, two, uh, somewhere. It's going to be rather quick, so I won't go out as far it's as It's going to be but... this month. <laughs> well, for sure, this month. It's going to be before we hit... Uh, before patch day, yeah. The 15 number on the calendar? Okay, the 15 number. That would be halfway through the month. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it'll be before patch day. So, um, guys, we will have an upcoming podcast regarding faction warfare, and uh, and then hopefully something soon with Russ as well, yep. and maybe Matt. We'll talk about uh, MechCon. We'll talk about MechWarrior Five. Everything else that uh, Chris and Paul don't want to talk about, we'll bring up there. Or can't. So, and, yeah, or can't. Any uh, any last words? Well, there's that one thing that we're talking about. Oh, wait, this isn't Master Shelly. No. <laughs> I can't end like that in everything that we do, Paul. No, it's been great talking to you guys. Um, yes. And we will be doing this more often. This is part of the discussion. And, and this is just an instigator. Now, you guys, the, the discussion happens with you guys in the forums. Head on over there, mwomerks.com right now. See you on the forums. Uh, Paul, Chris, thank you. And everybody. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, have let's say uh, have Thanks, a uh, good week, weekend. Uh, Mama Bear, it's a pleasure seeing that bearded, beautiful face. Just signed. Good to see you too. And uh, I'd like to say again, thank you to uh, all of you guys tuning in. Thank you for uh, being a part of this discussion. And of course, head over to the forums. We will read uh, or watch if maybe you make a video. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get all the, the data points from you guys as well. But just want to say thank you again for coming out here and listening to the podcast. We do have more to come. This has been your local No Guts, No Galaxy MechWare podcast signing off for tonight. This is Phil. And this is Darren. Until next time, MechWarriors. It'd be best if you avoid me. But I know you probably can't You sense something is wrong with me You can feel it on my skin But there is more with Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot Forever